Well, good morning. It is great to have all of you here this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. Um, several years ago, I was, uh, I was reading a book that somebody had loaned me, um, and it's a book called In the Likeness of God. And this book is co-authored by um, kind of this one guy's an established writer. His name's Philip Yancey. Uh, and he collaborated with this other guy who's one of the leading researchers on leprosy, and his name is Dr. Paul Brandt. Um, but basically, what they were trying to do in this book is they were trying to look and see how humans were created, how we were designed, and through that process, look at how we were designed and created in the image of God. And during one of the early stages of this book, they started to look at some of the very simplest life forms that we know of and begin to compare those simple life forms to who we are and how that connects to God. So what Dr. Brandt described is how this one time he went out to a pond and he took a small sample of the water and he went back to the lab and he put a little drop on a microscope slide and he slid it under and he started to evaluate this little tiny single-cell amoeba that he found. And what he found is that this little single-cell amoeba, this little tiny oozing gel thing, was completely autonomous, completely self-sufficient. It was completely independent, and it had its own little world there in the pond. This little tiny amoeba had all the basic functions of life. It could breathe, it could digest, it could excrete, it could reproduce, it could move, it could do everything. It was completely alive. It was also completely solo, completely individual and on its own. He later goes on to describe, he was doing some other research and he was looking at the cells in the bloodstream. And he was studying the different cells in the bloodstream and what he noticed was he came across the white blood cell. And as he started to evaluate the white blood cell, he started to realize that the very same makeup of that single cell amoeba back in the pond was exactly like and looked just like the white blood cell. Complete they were identical in the fact that they, they looked the same, they moved the same, they were both individually alive. But he made the reference, or he began to point out, that the major difference between the pond amoeba and the white blood cell was where they live and why they live. The pond amoeba had all kinds of freedom. He could go anywhere he wanted in his pond. He was not accountable to anybody. Nobody was saying, what are you doing? Where are you going? Do anything he wanted. The white blood cell had some limitations. The white blood cell was pretty much limited to the responsibilities of the body that it was in. When the white blood cell was called to respond to an injury or to infection, he had a job to do. He didn't get to go anywhere he wanted or do everything that he wanted. You know, he didn't get to have his own little plan. But the white blood cell got to be a part of something bigger than itself. I mean, that little white, the little amoeba in the pond was never going to go outside of that pond. But the white blood cell was a part of 50 billion cells making up a human body. So imagine that white blood cell that gets to be a part of Neil Armstrong. He went to the moon. That little white blood cell might have been a part of a life that got to experience love or, or maybe a bride on her wedding day and the, and the thrill of that moment. Gets to accomplish tasks. And maybe, maybe that white blood cell was in Beethoven and got to create some amazing music. That little white blood cell got to be something so, a part of something so much greater than, than the little amoeba that hung out in the pond. Last week, we started talking about how do we make it matter? How do we look at our lives? How do we look at ourselves individually and the amount of time that we have on this earth and the, the blessing that God has given us? How do we make it matter? How do we as a church decide that we're going to make it matter? And what do we do to actually make that happen? And a huge part of how we evaluate and how we decide for Silver Creek uh, that we're on track and that we're actually doing things in a way that makes it matter is we have these things called our core values. We have these five different core values that, that help us understand and aim or know if we're hitting what we're aiming at. 
We've got these five words that we think do a pretty good job of, of speaking to and communicating what it is that we're aiming at. And this morning, we're going to talk about the core value of connect and seeing how it's so critical and it's so important that you and I connect and recognize that we were designed to connect. We were designed to be in relationship with God, to have that connection. And at the same time, we were designed to be in connection with each other. Before we get into the specifics of Connect, I just want to review quickly with you um, our vision statement and our mission statement so you know where we're going. Our vision statement is this. Our vision statement is that Silver Creek Family Church exists to create opportunities for people to be transformed by God. That's what we're here about. That's what we're trying to do here. And the way that we do that is through our mission statement. Our mission statement is this, is to invite people to know Jesus and connect them in his family, train them to grow in Christ, and provide opportunity for them to serve in the church and in the world in order to worship God with their whole life. So each week we're going to take a moment and we're going to look at one of those core values. And last week we talked about train, and this morning we're going to talk about connect. And you don't have to be around Silver Creek very long um, to see these core values popping up in different places. And these five words really give us as leadership some definition for what we're doing. As pastors, we're continually evaluating, do we have all five of these core values happening? Do we have these in place? We want to be really intentional about everything that we're doing. If we have a program or a ministry or an event that's happening, it's got to speak to one of those five core values. And if we're doing something that doesn't hit one of those five core values, we just get done. We don't need it. Now, these five core values, we didn't, we didn't pull them out of a hat. We weren't playing boggle one day. I'm like, okay, what are they going to be? Like, we spent time, and we, we dove into the Bible, and we, God, what are you calling us to be? What are you calling us to do? And over these next five, five weeks, I really hope that you can get an idea of what it is that we're trying to accomplish so you can have an understanding of what it is that you get to be a part of. And this morning, I want to try and evaluate what is similar to us in this reality of the little pond amoeba and the white blood cell that's in our body. Because we're convinced that if you and I are going to make it matter, it's really critical that we recognize that there's a simple choice to connect, which can lead to a significant purpose and meaning in our lives. So we believe very strongly that you and I were created to connect with other individuals, and that those connections that we have the opportunity to make would allow our lives to be a part of something that's way bigger than our own individual lives can be. Now, Understand, if you're not already a part of church or you're not a part of this church, it would be really easy to make an assumption um, from that story about the cells. It might be easy to think that I'm saying that if you're not a part of church that you're just pawn scum. Not saying that, okay? If you're not a part of church or you're not connected, I'm not saying, this is not a value attachment, but what I'm saying is, unlike the amoeba in the pond and unlike the white blood cell, neither of those got a choice. They just were where they were, and they just dealt with what they were dealt with. You and I get to choose. You and I get to look at our lives. You get to look at what's going on around us, and we get to choose. Do we want to be an independent, autonomous thing, just doing our own thing, going about it on our own, trying to make the most of our life, make the most of what's going on? Or we can choose to find a group. We can find a community that we want to be a part of. It's not that we check out our personalities or give up who we are, but, but we say collectively, I can choose to be a part of something. I can be a part of something, and it can become greater than what I could do individually. And to prove that it's possible for us to accomplish more when we work together, I want to tell you about three recent inventions, 
three discoveries that happened from some scientists and some researchers who came together, rather than just trying to do some things alone, they came together, they collaborated, they worked together, and they accomplished some amazing things. There was a team of guys from Switzerland, and I probably butcher their names, um, but they were Bollinger and Ross and Ty and Krubel. I don't know if you've heard of these four or five individuals. Anyway, they came together, and they really worked hard, and they wanted to be able to convey to people um, and be able to apply this to their lives. So they worked really hard, and they uncovered that it hurts way more to be hit in the head with an empty beer bottle than with a full beer bottle. They worked for months on this which they never would have found it out on their own, right? Because you can't do this, so they had to work together on it. And that's really only helpful if you're going to hit somebody with a beer bottle. Because if you're about to get hit by a beer, you don't have a choice. But anyway, I guess you could say, use an empty before you hit me. But anyway, here's more practical. This is actually more helpful. Um, the scientific team of Douglas and Rowling out of the United Kingdom, uh, they spent a lot of time investigating, and they found out that if a dairy cow has a name... If a farmer will take time to name his dairy cow and then use that name over and over and over with his dairy cow, that a dairy cow with a name that's used will produce 258 more liters of milk annually. So if any of you plan to go into the cow business, see, if it wasn't for them working as a team, they wouldn't have discovered this. This is actually really important because we all want to be ready for a disaster. Uh, We all recognize that there's emergencies that happen. So we can be eternally grateful for the efforts of this team, uh, the team of Bodner, Lee, and Margin out of Chicago. Um, they recognize the great difficulty and the great hassle of always have a, having a protective face mask available in case the air went toxic, right? Because none of us would want to be out in the world and all of a sudden there's some kind of catastrophe and so the air gets really toxic and you need a face mask. And so what they developed is they developed the face mask bra. And so, um, essentially, the cup of the bra would function as a filter. And so if there was ever a problem, if there was ever, you know, a problem with the air, this could just be taken off, and then the straps would actually work to hold it to your face. And now you're safe. And the real beauty of the face mask bra is that it helps this idea of connection, because you can wear it with a friend, right? Because one cup for you, and then you can invite somebody over to the other cup, And great, great connections can be made. See, we can do great things together, more than we could ever do alone. To get a better idea of why we would actually choose to connect beyond the the face mask bra, um, we're going to look at a story of a guy by the name of Nehemiah. um, And we're going to go through this. You could read this story. It would take a while. This would be weeks and weeks if we dove into it. Totally, but we're going to go through uh, basically the story in warp speed, and there's probably lots of things I'm going to leave leave out. But we're just going to look at kind of a quick overview of this and see why there's value in connect. Here's how the story goes: Around 586 BC, uh, the city of Jerusalem was invaded by the Babylonians, and when the Babylonians invaded, uh, they captured a lot of the people, took a lot of the people into slavery. Along the process of taking them into slavery, they also came and destroyed the city wall and the city gates, and basically left Jerusalem in shambles. The city wall was gone. And for us, when we hear that the city wall is gone, we're like, eh, okay. But when you and I choose to connect, the opportunity for you and I to connect as individuals in a lot of ways serves this culture, our culture, in the same way that a city wall served a culture thousands of years ago. Because what we begin to understand is that when we connect, it leads to protection and it leads to accomplishing more than we could ever do alone. See, a city wall at that time was the city boundary. 
The city wall established the parameters of the city. It revealed, hey, if you saw a city wall, you're like, something actually exists there. You would see the city wall, and it would prove that there are some individuals that decided they were going to make the effort to come together. They weren't just going to be a bunch of individuals, but they were going to come together and live within these city walls. The city walls would provide some protection if there was ever sort of outside enemies that would come to attack. That city wall would provide and keep out some of the wild animals that might come in and cause problems. The city wall established and showed that there was a community. And people could choose, you know what, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to go life. I'm going to live outside of the city walls. Or a person could say, you know what, I want to receive all of the benefits, sometimes some of the hassles that come with being connected and being within those city walls. That city wall made it clear who's in and who's out, who's choosing to be connected and who's choosing not to. And Nehemiah began to recognize that because the Babylonians had come in and knocked down the city walls, the Jews were scattered everywhere. The city wall being gone it had caused them to no longer be connected, and they were spread out all over the place. Those that hadn't gone back into captivity, they just were trying to make it on their own. They were, they were struggling to make it. And until a city wall came back and was put in place, they would be forced to continue to just try and make it on their own and hope they could survive and just try and make the most out of life. And Nehemiah recognized if he was able to come back and they were able to build this city wall, it would begin to say, listen, we can connect, we can establish a community, we can be united. So the story continues, and Nehemiah is granted permission to go to Jerusalem and to rebuild the wall and to begin the process and say, let's establish this wall and let's get this, st- this wall built. And so he begins to rally the people and he's like, listen, let's build this wall together. It's going to be a big, a big task, but together we can build this wall. And right away when they begin this process, we see a very critical reason why we need to connect. They start this process of building the wall, and there's this guy by the name of Sanballat. He's an enemy of the Jews. And Sanballat comes around, and as they're trying to build the wall, he starts kind of mocking them and ridiculing them. And he's, he's basically just furious that a wall is even being built. The whole story of Nehemiah can be found in the Bible. You can read it. It's in the book of Nehemiah. Um, the Bible's pretty simple sometimes that way. Um, but basically, here's the way it goes. It's on the screen. It's in your, in your message notes. It says this. This is what Sanballat is saying. He's saying, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Now, real quick, so Sanballat is out there, and he's kind of calling him out and saying all these things. And I think Sandblot is actually a, a big bully, but he's got this apprentice bully who's with him. He's got this other guy that's kind of trying to learn and what we're gonna about, about to read, what this next guy says, it's just not really a good threat. But I think Sandblot is like a good thing, and to, or a good bully, and Tobiah is like this little gnat that's kind of floating around, like, yeah, what he said, yeah, what he said, because this is what Tobiah says. It says, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Man, he's good. That's a real, I mean, like, I would be so mocked if he used, anyway. So the opposition, Sanballat and Tobiah, they're basically saying, listen, your efforts to build a wall, <laughs> you guys, you're, no. You, you're trying to establish a community. It's not going to work. All of your efforts, they're not going to last, even if a fox walked on top of it it would fall down. He's like, you're a bunch of religious wackos. You're doing these sacrifices. You're fooling yourselves. You're weak. You're nothing. You're working with a big pile of garbage. It's going to collapse. It's going to get knocked down. This is not going to work. 
And what Sanballat and Tobiah were saying and why connections are so valuable is they were right. Basically, what they were saying is, if you try to do this independently, it's not going to work. And what the Jewish individuals were saying, yeah, we get it. If we try to do this independently, we will probably accomplish nothing. Because they were poor. They didn't have much. They didn't have a lot of skills. On their own, trying to do this themselves, it probably wouldn't work, and it would probably be a weak wall that a fox could knock over. So they had to work together to establish this city wall. It probably would get busted up. I mean, they're just a bunch of slaves, just a bunch of people that have been roaming around. This seriously shouldn't work unless they chose to connect, unless they decided, you know what, we, we, could, we could actually make it matter. And this can actually be something that has influence and begins to develop our city, but we're going to have to do it together. And if you and I are really honest with ourselves, you and I can't actually accomplish all that much on our own. I mean, we can do some things, you can do some things in your life, but really, we all have so many weaknesses. We all have so much rubbish in our lives, things that either we have created or other people have dumped into our lives, things that we're trying to overcome. I mean, there's a really good chance that most of us in this room, we have enough money that we can get by in life. Those of us in the room, we don't have enough money on our own to change the world. But if we desire to have a life that will have a positive impact on this area and on our world and, and will actually make a mark that will last after we're gone, none of us will be able to do it alone. We have to connect. We have to recognize that Sandalot and Tobiah are right. On our own, we're not going to create much. But together, we can create something that will truly matter. That we can create a connection that will outlive all of us or outlive uh, this process that we're a part of. So they're facing this outside doubt. They're facing this outside ridicule. They're saying, hey, you can't build this. You can't do this. But they kept working. And they kept working, and they got about halfway done. And then what happens next oftentimes happens to us. It says, then the people of Judah began to complain. They're saying the workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. When it started, it sounded like a great thing. They're like, man, this wall is going to be valuable. We're going to accomplish something great. And they get into the process, and they're going, and it's happening. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're getting tired. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to complete this. I, I, my guess is that none of us have ever built a city wall, right? But I think we can all recognize it would be a lot of work. It would not be easy. I mean, it's not, not all that big of a surprise that they're starting to say, holy cow, we're getting tired. When I was in high school, my parents decided they wanted to build one of those retaining walls that would kind of hold back the hill along our, their back wall, and so I was in high school, so I got to help. And um, the bricks that they decided to use, the stone, the, the, they were like 70 pounds each. I mean, they were heavy, and we only made a brick wall. This wall was only going to be about 30 feet long and about five feet tall, and I smashed my fingers so many times. And I smashed my dad's fingers so many times. <laughs> Man, I remember building that wall and looking at how far we had to go and thinking, we're never going to finish this. I remember thinking, I am so tired. I am so over this. I, I probably didn't complain. You can ask my dad. I, was, I mean, but I was tired. I thought it was going to take forever. And there's times where there's, there's rubble in our lives and things look so big and it looks like it's so far and we're trying to make these connections and we're trying to get through it and we're like, 
I think I just need to give up. Because maybe the economy goes south. Maybe one of our kids kind of goes crazy and acts like we did as a teenager. Maybe at work all of a sudden changes something on you that you didn't choose. Maybe your roof starts leaking. Whatever it is, we all, we all run into those days where we're suddenly just living feels too great to keep going, and that's why it's so critical that we connect, that we can come alongside of each other and say, okay, let's keep going. Yeah, I get it. The wall looks big, and the process, let's keep going. I'm not sure if you realize this. This last summer was really busy at Silver Creek. I mean, we decided that after doing 10 years of soccer camp, we decided let's do it differently. I mean, soccer camp took a lot of work, but we knew what we were doing. You know, it was like, it was different. It was like, okay, we know all of the steps. We know all of the process. We got this. So then we changed it up and decided we're going to do Amped and do this kids camp that happens every day with all kinds of energy and all kinds. Oh, my goodness. The amount of work and the amount of effort and the amount of planning that had to go into that, that was exhausting. Not only did we change how we were going to do kids camp and go from soccer camp to Amped, we decided let's change where we do family camp. Whew. I mean, you saw the video. Island Lake was incredible. It was amazing. And there was a lot of advantages to doing it, but doing something different led to a whole bunch of unique challenges and unique processes, things we hadn't faced before. And you start doing new work, and there's new obstacles and new things that have to be overcome, things we hadn't done before. It was craziness. So we're in the middle of doing a new, new kids camp. We're in the middle of doing a new family camp. And then all of a sudden, we get some rubble dumped on us. If you're not aware, we have a rental house that sits behind the church. And for years and years and years, we've rented that out to families. And it's, it's worked okay. But we had an opportunity to do something different. We had a business that was like, hey, we would rent that from you. And it will be more sustainable. It'll work better. They'll be able to take care of it. So we're like, cool, let's make this trade. It just happened that we're doing it in the middle of a busy summer. A lot of work to make a change like that. And the company is actually doing a lot of the work, but they contacted us and said, hey, you know, the two large garage areas that are full of your church's stuff, uh, we're going to need you to move that. (laughs) If Elizabeth and I had gone out there and we moved it on our own, it probably would have taken us two full weeks. And we're both like, uh, and the company needed it moved pretty quickly. So we're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? So we're like, well, we got some students going on mission trips. So we called some students. They're going on mission trips. And they showed up, and they helped out and dove in. And we were able to take a bunch of the items we don't use anymore, and we were able to give them away. We were able to take a bunch of the rubbish and throw that out. If you've ever been to our Easter egg hunt, you know that we have thousands and thousands of plastic eggs and great big chocolate bunnies and great big Easter eggs and all kinds of decorations. That all had to be moved out. We have all of our Christmas tree lights back there and all of our Christmas tree decorations. All of that had to be moved out. And Elizabeth and I, it was going to take forever. And these students showed up, and then in a couple of hours, we got most of that moved. But there were still more stuff. So much stuff that if Elizabeth and I tried it, it was probably still going to take us a week. We had canopies. We had soccer goals. We had shelving. We had tools. We had more rubbish that needed to be thrown away. I mean, we're like, so we put a little note on Facebook and said, hey, if some people could come, if we got like five people, we could probably knock this out in about two hours. The crew shows up and works so quickly that in less than 20 minutes, we had knocked the whole project out. We had people showing up late. They were like, we're ready to help. And we're like, we're done. We never would have survived this summer alone. 
So many people had to jump in to make Amped happen. So many people had to say, all right, well, we'll try this new family camp. Let's go for it. We had the ugly process of getting the house cleaned out that was so overwhelming, was so much to be done, such a huge project, something that was so overwhelming, we never would have got it done on our own. Elizabeth and I were exhausted before it started. One of us complained a whole lot. But the community of Silver... Oh, are you right there? I'm sorry about that. Uh, But the community, the connection of Silver Creek responded and knocked out this huge project. Here's what I don't understand. I don't get why anybody would want to face life alone. Why would anyone, anybody want to deal with the rubble that wants to defeat life? Why would you want to fight that solo? Life is going to kick us in the teeth. We get to either try to pick ourselves up on our own, or we get to be in a connection where somebody can help pick us up. And if you desire, and if we desire to make it matter, it's so critical that we connect. It's so important that we decide that we're going to build that wall of connection. And it's not a wall of keeping people out. It's a wall of saying, this is a place that you can be included because life is hard and there is rubble and you can't make it on your own. But if you'll connect, we can walk through it together. And now the enemies come in and they start to not only say things to the Jewish individuals that are trying to build the wall, they actually start to say, actually, we're just going to attack you. So then the Jews had to come up with a new plan. It said this, Uh, Nehemiah says, but from then on, only half my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and the other holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. So essentially, to finish, they had to stand guard. They had to defend what they were building. They were trying to create this community. They were trying to develop these connections, and there was something that was going to come and try and knock it down. But they were like, we're not going to stop. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep going. We recognize that we're tired. We recognize that this is difficult. We're going to keep pushing. Now this enemy wants to tear us down. This enemy wants to stop our connections. We're going to have to fight against this. We're going to have to be ready. We're going to have to be aware of an enemy that wants to tear us down, that wants us to stop from making these connections together. We've got to keep going. And if you and I are going to make it matter, a huge benefit that comes when we connect is to realize that in order to make it matter, we have to watch each other's backs. I can't promise you that haters are going to show up and try and stop us from connecting. But we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. When ideas or culture or events or just tension shows up, we have to have each other's back. And my guess is I don't have to really explain to you why getting stabbed in the back is not a good experience. I think most of us understand what being stabbed in the back looks like. And and if I get to vote, I'd much rather have you protecting my back than stabbing me in the back. And I think you would say you'd much rather have me protecting your back than stabbing you in the back. The problem is, you and I can't watch each other's back. I can't watch your back, and you can't watch my back unless we've agreed to connect. Unless we buy into building community together, we won't be able to protect what we're trying to build together. And nothing will tear down the connections faster than people stabbing each other in the back. 
And I would just say that if anybody, in, anybody insists on stabbing somebody else or doing that in this community, I'm officially inviting you to leave. Yeah, he, I just said that. Because I'm convinced that God is building a community of single cells that he's bringing together that on our own are very susceptible to attacks. And anybody that wants to tear that down or destroy that, again, is welcome to leave. Or I, with all the pastoral love I can produce, will connect my foot to your butt. Because for the rest of you all, I got your back. And I hope you've got my back. And we're not going to let things tear us down. So they stuck together, and they kept at it, and they kept working, and they guarded each other. And then this is the crazy thing. I don't even understand why it says so on October 2nd. I was like, does the Bible really say on October 2nd? It does. It does. It says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after they had begun. They faced the opposition. They faced the fatigue. They faced the physical obstacles. They faced the doubt. And then 52 days later, they accomplished what they had set out to do as a community. And then a couple chapters later, it says, I led the leaders to the top of the wall. I organized two large choirs to give thanks. One of the choirs proceeded southward. The second choir, giving thanks, went northward. Do you remember that they were accused of building a wall that wouldn't even be able to hold a fox? Now there's two large choirs standing on the walls, thanking God for all that they've accomplished. They committed to the wall. They committed to creating a community, and they made it a reality. And in the middle of connecting, because they connected, because they were living life together, they realized and became a part of something that was bigger than any of them could have accomplished on their own. And now these choirs standing on top of the wall bring this amazing realization that we can discover, that when life is connected, life can then be celebrated because we've decided to connect. When we decided to connect, now we get to celebrate the things in each other's lives as they happen. When we're connected and your kid accomplishes something, when your kid overcomes a challenge, now we get to celebrate together. It's more than just your family celebrating. And when my kid accomplishes something, rather than just my family celebrating, we all get to celebrate it together. And when we all rally to meet a financial need of somebody in our community or somebody, now we all get to celebrate what we did together. You know the new coffee cart? We get to celebrate that together. Because back in December, we rallied together and we raised the funds through impact and we said we could do something. And we did it together. So go have a latte and be like, yeah, we did this. In a little over a month, on October 21st, we're going to pack the house and we're going to celebrate that together we've made it 10 years. 10 years ago, we merged two healthy churches and everything that we read said that probably won't work. Yeah, made it for 10 years. I think we're doing pretty well. And they're impacting lives in our community and we're impacting lives around the world and we're going to celebrate that. And we get to celebrate it together because we've chosen to connect. And if you and I choose to make it matter and we connect, then we get to celebrate life together. There's one last thing that happens when we connect and we don't have time to read all of it. It's listed there. Um, and part of the reason I don't want to read it all is there's a whole bunch of names I can't even pronounce. But if you read through it, it talks about this guy, one guy who's a, high or who's a high priest and another guy that's a priest and they're building this part of the wall and there's another guy and his sons and they're building this part of the wall and there's another guy that's a goldsmith and there's another guy that's a politician and there's another guy that says, and they go through all of these different guys and there's some guys that are working with their daughters and there's some guys that are perfume makers and there's all these different people that rallied together that took on different parts of the wall. And the point here is very simple but hugely important. 
Here's the point. Anyone can connect, but each one has to be willing to connect. All of these people recognize the value of the wall. They all saw the benefit of establishing a community, and anyone could connect. The priests, the sons, the daughters, the politicians, the goldsmiths, the gatekeepers, anyone could connect. Anybody, anybody had that available to them, but each person had to decide to make a commitment to it. And you and I have to understand that each of us, anyone can connect, but all of us have to decide we want to in order for it to happen. Young, old, white collar, blue collar, all kinds of biblical knowledge, just learning where your Bible is, wherever you're at. Anyone can choose to be connected. We can't force anyone to. Each of us can choose to make the wall, to grow the community, to make those connections. Anyone can, but each person has to choose to connect. And our aim is to make it possible for as many of you to connect, for all of you to connect as possible. Connect groups is the best way for that to happen. If you're not in a connect group and you don't feel connected, there's a part of me that's going to be like, duh. So get in a connect group. If you're not feeling connected, you need to get in a connect group. You need to find a place to serve. Connecting and serve, like getting in a connect group and serving are the greatest ways to meet other people. Also be here consistently. And here's a little secret. We don't expect everybody to be connected to everybody. It's too big. Too many people. Two services. Too easy not to see. Honestly, our hope is that each individual would connect with about five to seven people. You can't know more people than that really anyway. So join something that's bigger than yourself. Join something where you can accomplish more than you would ever be able to do on your own. Join something. Connect and begin to celebrate life together. Watch each other's backs. Celebrate what God is doing. But it only happens when we rally around the fact that we need to connect together and we need to establish that community and those connections. And each week in your program, we put these green connect cards. And we challenge you to think through and reflect on what it is that you need to do based on what you've heard this morning. So as you think about this idea of connecting and the value of it and how it can really begin to help make it matter both in your own life and for what we're doing as a community, what is your next step? Maybe your next step is just decide that you'll do whatever it takes to connect. Maybe you'll join a connect group. Maybe you'll commit to protecting those that are a part of Silver Creek. And maybe your next step is to celebrate all that we are able to accomplish together. Whatever it is, I just challenge you. Establish those connections. Establish those relationships. Find ways to connect. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the example of Nehemiah and the, the people that rallied around building that wall. For their example of what it looks like to connect and, and to see the value of connecting and coming together. God, would you help each of us in our individual lives to see the value of that, to recognize it's going to take some time, it's going to take some effort, but the impact will be so huge, both in our own lives and in what our lives can accomplish and how we can truly make it matter. Thank you so much for this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.